Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, uh, ostensibly mailbag edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Uh, the last few mailbags have been nothing, so I, I don't want to build up the expectations too high and then have everybody crushed when their favorite segment, the part where we crap on the mail that they sent us, doesn't really yeah, go it's, off. It's not like we have no mail. It's just it's just a few. Um, let's, let's jump right in. Is there so, is there another angel in heaven? That's, there's another angel in heaven. Uh, Chris Cornell left us last night. Uh, he was in Detroit, and apparently that was too much for him. <laughs> he had never been. That was his first time. And he went, no, I don't. I don't want Can't this. take this no more. Uh, hanged himself. Uh, there's a, a hot take that I saw today is that when a vocalist chooses to hang himself, it's a deliberate act of violence. And to that, I thought, you're putting a little too much thought into this. <laughs> yeah, I think any way you choose to kill yourself is a pretty deliberate act. Yeah. It's like, it's... Yes, did he... Yes, was his throat important to him? Yes, is that what's involved in a hanging? Yes, that's, it's all true. <laughs> but maybe you just wanted to have something to say about Chris Cornell. Yeah. <clears throat> and you were like, what's the name of that Audio Slave song? And it's like, you know the one, like the only the one, the one that came out. Does anyone yeah. remember that? Uh, I'm sure Katie does. It's like basically her favorite song. Ah, uh, yeah, Marjan was pretty broken up about it. Um, but she, it's not great. It makes me want to revisit the '90s frontman rankings we were playing with, but never actually created. Just mm. to remember exactly where we had Chris Cornell. Because I remember I was initially thinking of it as kind of a grunge contest. But we, oh, that's tur- right. we turned it into more of a uh, general 90s rock alternative. I mean. Discussion. Because I had, you know, I was like, alright, so we got the Kurt Cobains and Eddie Vedders. And Chris Cornell's a tier below them, but I thought he was still above Scott Weiland, which I think is why we brought it up, because he had died. So. It's an interesting question, because I feel like the Stone Temple Pilots had more hits than Soundgarden, hmm. but once they were done, they were they, they were really done. Yeah. Whereas, all of a sudden, this guy popped up again in the 2000s with that Audio Slave song. Don't forget his groundbreaking work on a James Bond movie soundtrack. That's right. He did his, He did that. The Casino Royale? Was that the one he did? That, uh, it was one of them. Maybe Casino Royale. I mean, it sounded just like... He's the, you know, he was the only male American vocalist to do a James Bond theme. Ah, see? Breaking well, barriers. I mean... Male Americans that's, typically... That's splitting it a little bit. <laughs> you don't get a lot of credit for breaking barriers. That's a statistic you'd see on an Oakland A's game. <laughs> yes. Uh, 
And by the way, that song sounded just like any other Soundgarden, Audio Slave, or any other Chris Cornell involved project. So it was pretty clear that he was the distinctive feature of those acts. I feel like that was pre Audio Slave, so you would have said it sounded like this sounds like any other Soundgarden slash Temple of the Dog song. <laughs> Except without the any better part. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, for years, I didn't know Temple of the Dog was was a collabo between those two. I You, you thought it was just a, a ripoff? It, you thought it was a um, Savage Garden style? Is that what I'm thinking of? I don't know. I thought it. I definitely thought it was a band that was trying Silver Chair to, was a Silver Chair style ripoff. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a band trying to capitalize. Like, who's really who's really famous here in 1995? I think it's um, it's Eddie Vedder and Chris Cornell. So I'm just going to pretend to be those two guys because I guess I always missed the part on the radio when they would play that Temple of the Dog song. Where they would, where they ever said that that's what. Where it was. they would say, "Hey guys, this is real." Yeah, I always. This is not a drill. It's a super group. I, it's a new super group, Temple of the Dog. I always thought it was just some other group. So many years later, I found out that it was actually Eddie Vedder and Chris Cornell. <clears throat> but did we ever find out that Silverchair was actually Eddie Vedder? That would have been nice. No, I think they were Australian. Yeah. I wonder if. Um, I wonder if they even have a Wikipedia page. Will they have that song tomorrow? Mm-mm. Are you thinking of the Elliott Smith song tomorrow? I have definitely not. No, they did. They did definitely have a song tomorrow in 1994. That was the one. Uh, Wait till tomorrow. That that one? I think. I don't Could know. be. But they say that was from 94. That seems... Doesn't this seem early to be doing... Um, to be doing Pearl Jam ripoffs? Eh, Pearl Jam got in there fairly early. I think they were in there 92 and 93, approximately. And then obviously extending through a lot of the 90s. But, uh, yeah, Chris Cornell, gone. Uh, what was he, 52? 52. Yeah. So, that's, that's pretty young. I told Marjorie. Again, I'm 36, so like these are starting to get cringy for me. <laughs> I know. It's like when I hear somebody's 70 something, and I go, "Dude, that dude is hella old." And then I go, "Oh, our dad is that old." That's our so old. Our dad, is. and he is hella old too. He's extremely old. Yeah, <laughs> we we are violating the number one. Oh, sorry, sorry, of this sorry. podcast. <laughs> well, look, if he. There's no way he can come across it. But say somebody else we know comes across it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not but, news to him that he's old. But yes, well, let's, it's not. Let's just say that with regard to 70 and being old, our dad is smarter than the average bear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, that's the big news today. Yeah, when Marjan woke up this morning, I told her that um, two, two people died and one of them was going to make her happy and one was going to make her sad. No, she's happy about Roger Ailes dying? I can't imagine she's upset about it. Okay, I was like, did you even know who that was six months ago? Mm Because I didn't. I think I probably heard the name, but just filed him under rich guy, rich old guy. He he was a dude in the hierarchy somewhere between Rupert Murdoch and uh, Bill O'Reilly, so it's like, I don't know the names of anybody else in that hierarchy either. Yep. Yeah. Um, Ron Moore is he in there? They just, just I be, I doubt it. I just want to blame him for some stuff, so it'd be cool if he was in there. They made some bad decisions. Yeah, I'm um, 
I'm reading this, or I'm actually I'm listening to this uh, audiobook version of a, this Star Trek book. For a moment, I thought you were going to say you were auditing it, and uh, I'm auditing the class. I kind of enjoyed that idea. I'm auditing the class fifty years of Star Trek, um, and I'm in all the next generation bits. And it's what's really awesome is all of the little confirmations that keep happening as the chapters go on of things that previously only you and I remembered existed in the first place. Because it's reminding me that these things actually happen and that I'm not crazy. Oh, like what? Like, what's a what's an example? Well, here? they'd say something like, Gates McFadden, who went on to play in such roles as The Watcher. <laughs> and, you were, and you'd be like, oh, yep, no, that's real. I didn't invent that. That's a real thing. <laughs> it's not a shared hallucination that we had one summer when it was 114 <laughs> degrees in Campbell. Yeah, we were trying to cover the window in tinfoil or something. Yeah, we're just like just any any goddamn thing, just anything at all. <laughs> or they, or it's like he went on to write on such shows as Acapulco Heat. You'd be You're like, like, oh I yeah, feel the heat. yeah, 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 yeah. That's a real thing. I remember the song. That's a real show. Nobody can tell me it's not now. Now I have confirmation. It's in print. So that's what, I think. I mean, I'm listening to it. Aside from all of the crazy stories about what an asshole Gene Roddenberry was, it's uh, my favorite part. It's just been all the little '90s references to things that did actually exist. Now, if only they would confirm that somebody went on to write on the SNL skit where The Rock played Bigfoot and Will Ferrell played Neil Diamond. That would be great. Mm -hmm. He was 80% sure it was a dream when he ate that kid. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) If someone could call in and confirm for them that this is actually happening, he would appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, just otherwise, just a lot of stories. Every single... There hasn't been one positive thing said about Gene Roddenberry, and as you can imagine, since it's about Star Trek, there is a lot about him in there. Yeah, I um, I found myself reading all about uh, that. I think that we all know the true villain of Star Trek, Rick Berman. <laughs> Fuck you, Rick Berman. Uh, apparently not a science fiction fan at all. No. Was just a producer who got put on this, and then just like... Just made all the bad decisions that I hate. Mm. Well, he definitely was the main guy who took over after Roddenberry, so he it gets to be responsible for a lot of the dumb shit that happened. Oh, it also sounds like a lot of the stuff that I don't like is Paramount's fault, where they'd be like, "No, we, I know, I know, we've only done two seasons of Deep Space Nine, but we got to start Voyager now. It's important. We got to strike while the iron's hot. While people love Star Trek, it's like, yeah, they love DS Nine a little bit less, and uh, if you're not careful, they're gonna be really fucking sick of you." Yep. But not only that, they did the Voyager, and then they went, all right, we're still not done. we got to move, we got to do the Enterprise now, we've got to keep going. And after Enter- No time off. After Enterprise ended, I was like, man, uh, can we just have, like, 25 years off? Nope. Just to let it marinate, and just let's think about what we did, and let's do something different next time. But then J.J. Abrams did his well, I mean, thing. he did something different. It's different. It's a different animal. It also is not Star Trek. I mean, it just... It doesn't even resemble it in any way. It's its own thing. And then, now they got this Discovery thing that's probably coming back this year. Probably coming this year? They're not clear exactly on the date, but I did see a little two-minute trailer for Maybe it. Maybe in fall? Yeah. It'll be bad. It. Uh, I saw the trailer, and it looks really bad. For one thing, they've redesigned the Klingons again. Yeah, I uh, I did not like what I saw of them. Again! We don't... 
Can we just agree on what they look like? Like we don't we don't need this. <clears throat> they first they just looked like dudes in brown face with eyebrows or whatever. Yeah, a lot of them had Fu Manchus and Fu Manchus, and then they got the crumple heads that we know and love from the TNG era Klingons. I mean, it's that started in Star Trek One, right? And then uh, for J.J. Abrams, they changed them a little bit and gave them cool, cool helmets. If it was a different story, <laughs> yeah. If, if it was, if it wasn't Star Trek, if it wasn't Star Trek, because I don't know what those helmets are supposed to do. Um, and now they're being redesigned again. It's like, what? That's just. Can we just? It's it, it's fine. One of those is fine. Leave, Let's pick it. You leave them alone. Yeah, that's right. I don't feel like we're ever really going to get to revisit Worf now. We're never going to learn his whole story. No, there's so much more to learn about him. Yeah, because now if he came back, he'd have to have a different head, and yeah. uh, I wouldn't be into that. I just wouldn't like it. Also from the how trailer... Will we, how will we ever learn about, like, his childhood nanny? Oh, wait. Yeah, no, we, yeah, we were all over that her. one. Um, what about, like... What his adopted fam... No. Yeah, how about, like, did he play sports when he was a kid? Oh, yeah, no, 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 we know that. We know he played soccer. Um, Boy, how about... Does he have... What other... But, like, there's gotta be, like... Does he have more family? something in there about how he feels... With regard to his Klingon heritage, right? Yeah, that would be a good thing to explore. No, he did oh, seven or eight lot, arcs like on lot, that. Like a lot of that? What about his religious beliefs? Oh, yeah, maybe if we, You know, like, Star Trek, they usually stay pretty clear of... Oh, yeah, he went to Boroth. Uh, he did, did go to Boroth. Mm. Uh, how about... Oh, so he's got other family besides his adopted family, right? Like, he's got Klingon family? Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, yeah, he must have had some, like... Like, I don't know, maybe not necessarily, like, a brother or anything, but... Uh, oh. oh, no, he's got a brother, okay. Oh, um, brother. What about, like, such as, a, like, a kid? And wi- a wife and kid? Yeah. Does he have a family oh, what, like it, This is funny. What if the security officer was had to be, a, like, a single parent? Like, <laughs> that would he be had to, like, bad. oh, but you, you can't... Dis- oh, no. Yeah, that we did that oh, so many so times. Lot, there's a lot of that. Yeah. There's a lot of that, and then he, But what if, like, what about what how that kid grew up? Like, what he was going to be in the... In the future. But he have daddy in, issues and in stuff. The future. Oh yeah. Oh okay, um, but it's okay. So romance then, right? We haven't really explored. Yeah. It. So we got a little bit with his mate, and that's how we had a kid. But he didn't see him in any other relation. Okay. A, cu- a couple of them. Cu- a couple few. A, cu- a couple few. A few couple of them. Yeah. He did. And that did happen. Okay, so what if he like quit? He was like, "I'm going to resign from Starfleet because I can't do this anymore." And then he got talked out of it. And okay, that was done clearly. How about promotions? Yeah, like career advancement. Right. Like he can't be, he can't still be a lieutenant, right? That'd be okay. So what? he did that a few times. That's, oh, he was briefly of... chancellor of the High Council. That's cool. Uh, that's, that's pretty... um, hmm. This is not Star Trek week. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I don't know. Did we get mail? Is there a mailbag? Because yeah, the last few times there's been no mail, and then it's whatever I want to talk about. Mailbag! Alright, let's do it. Uh, last last time there was no mail, and so um, we just ended up playing all the Motown tracks on my phone, and then <laughs> Burger King. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, on the 3rd, on May 3rd, Ben wrote in to say, uh, at Brother Date, the Motown episode was delightful. Actually brightened my day. Is he ta- That's a taunt, right? Yeah, that's that can't be the truth. Well, it's that's a taunt a because they didn't send us any mail, and that's why we had to do that. So now they're like, "That's our favorite episode," as a way of saying you're not getting any more mail. Yep. Yeah. Uh, then a week later, 
your your own dear wife wrote in to say at brother date buffy is deaf worth watching don't know why she didn't just tell me that directly uh well i mean i guess she wants it on on record yes she wants us to know well she wants us to read her tweet and that's fine because we will do that the tweet has been Um, read i've never seen it i don't know marjan answer for me this question is it a program in which all myths are true I hope she will answer that. I just based on what it looked like from the outside, my guess would be yes. My feeling is that it probably is. Yeah. But, I mean, people do say good things about it. I just have never had even the slightest interest. I mean, once you've seen the definitive version with Steven Root. No, but I mean, for me, like, I got, I got like, one rule. Like, I'm not going to watch any show that has Rumpelstiltskin in it. So. That's right. That's correct. That's not what we do around here. We don't watch That's not how like I roll. That. That's not what I like to do. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, uh, Ryan wrote in on May 13th to say he's three and a half episodes behind and oh. that we'll get our damn mail. Well, did we get any after that from him? We did get two. Oh, good. All right. Did good. Two. He didn't lie. Um, and he clearly caught up in the intervening time because, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe he still hasn't listened to that last Star Trek episode, but uh, he wrote in to say, uh, at Brother Date, how do you know we didn't want a Moton episode? We know. Wow. So we know you did, but but we did get two males out of it. That's true. I think we should double up on Motown. I mean, probably we should just uh, this week. We're just going to play music of my mind and talk about oh, it. My God, I could do fifty pods on music of my mind. <laughs> I could do so many hours of material. That's like six pods per song. Yeah, no, I could do that. I really could do that. Should we? You want to try? You want to start? New project. We'll, we'll start that in a minute. We'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, and then, uh, just uh, just a scant four days ago, Ryan wrote in again to say, "No, no, I am a little corn pone." Hmm. Did you call him that? So, like I said, he was a little corn pone. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I felt a little bad about it. But you were no also no one's ever said that in a friendly, affectionate way, probably. But you were also pretty sure he had stopped listening at that point. So. But yeah, at that point, I I figured he was out. Yeah. Out of the game. Well, that's not bad. That's like five males or yeah, something. It's like five or six males. I mean, that's... It feels like a lot after our drought. Yeah. Our male drought. We were on a male drought, for sure. You know, the, what was great about that Buffy movie... Yes. ...was all of the... Christy Swanson. Well, obviously Christy Swanson was amazing in it. But the, yes. all of... Should have gotten an Oscar. All the little appearances by, like, Ben Affleck as guy who dribbles basketball up the court. Or uh, Stephen Root as weirded out principal. Or... Oh, I haven't watched it recently. Is it like really jammed full of that shit? It is just chock full of people you recognize from from the last generation of bit part actors. And you're just like, oh no, I know that guy. I've seen that guy and stuff. And obviously, it's got Pee Wee Herman as one of the main henchmen's, and uh, uh, fucking I don't know all kinds of fucking people. The Donald Sutherland doing a money grab. And um, it's got, what's her name? Uh, the lady who was in, like, Million Dollar Baby. And um, Hillary Swank. H.I. Hillary Swank? H.I. Hillary Swank, which is playing, like, bitchy friend. And you're like, man, like, seriously, everybody was in this piece of shit movie. So, for that reason, it is Christy Swanson got the top billing, though. That's correct. I fucking deserved it. I, I don't, actually, I wonder if that's true. Maybe Donald Sutherland got the top billing. He probably should have... Even though he was only... And Rucker Hauer was in it. And, uh... Damn, Rucker Hauer and everything! Yeah, fucking Luke... Luke Perry. Luke Perry was in it. 
Uh, that was when that meant something. The guy who married Courtney Cox. I can't remember names. So very David cool. Arquette. David Arquette was in it. And um, I guess I should just open up the page instead of trying to remember this because my memory is is you, Duke. You already remembered like like ten of them, uh, like nine nine ten of that's them. That's merely one fifteenth of the memorable actors in that film. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I remembered so few of them. My memory's garbage. I think it's because I drink so much coffee. My caffeine intake is off the charts, and I hear it's bad for short-term memory, but I only remember that because I heard that many years ago. Is that, is that a bit? You doing a bit? No, I mean, that was a little throwaway joke, but... Okay. But it's true that I drink a shit ton of coffee and that my memory is I didn't garbage. like your bit, and no. I didn't appreciate it. And I'm not sure <laughs> I, why. I could tell. I could tell, but I, that's the response I get most often. It's a Thomas Jane. Somebody going, mm. okay. Good joke. Some... I, um... No, you got all the good ones. Oh, sweet. I mean... Memories. Oh, Seth Green is in there. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, playing asshole friend. Slash. Slash is in the Wait, movie. Slash is in that? As DJ, uncredited. Oh, man, I didn't even realize that. Wow, see that's one I didn't even I never even caught that. But otherwise I got I got most of the names. Yeah, Ricky Lake is in it. Didn't didn't remember that either. Yeah, as uh, Charlotte uncredited. Oh boy, a lot of uncredited Man, appearances. A lot of You're right that a lot of people were in this movie. And but playing nobody, playing nothing. It's like why did why did he even show up for this piece of shit? Like did people think this was going to be a good movie? I don't know. I don't get it. I mean, Stephen Root is amazing in it. I don't know. Was it maybe a good movie for 1992? It's enjoyable enough. Um, it, don't go if you're looking for vampire action. Don't watch it for that reason. Because the action scenes are pretty lame, and there's some really bad sound effects, Street Fighter sound effects, in the fighting. I have never looked for vampire action. Right, good. But I've never Google searched it. You know, she's like a, a real sassy valley girl type, and all she cares about is cheerleading, but her whole world gets turned upside down when she finds out she's destined to just kill kill all the vampires. Kill the bad vampires. Yep. So Cre- A creepy old man tells her so. Yeah, and he is creepy, because he's a Sutherland. That's sort of their main thing. Their faces don't look like human faces. I think they're too long? Like, their heads are too mm. big. So they're like, they're like the part in Monster Factory before Griffin fucks with the settings so that you can, so the sliders do more? <laughs> yeah, they're not quite monster freaks after all the settings have been unleashed. But you have taken the initial settings and maxed them. Yeah. For sure. They've got like long horse heads. Monster Factory is a program on YouTube. I think we've probably or... talked about it. Where they make ugly characters and then they play the games with them. I think at least in the Star Trek pod I've described numerous people as being from the Monster Factory. Like um, that little Howard kid. Like that little guy. Oh yeah, for sure. He's a Monster Factory guy. For sure. Baylock. Yeah. Baylock of the first Federation. And Jolene Blaylock as well. She is a Monster Factory. She's kind of an acting monster. I'm sorry. I meant... The actress who played T-Pole. 
That's what the guy reading the audiobook thought that was probably pronounced as. Oh, and I've, I've heard him read, like, six typos. He's just, nice. he's just reading the typos. And they're going, look, we got, like, 34 more fucking hours of this. Let's just keep going. Let's just go. Look, that's what, look, that's what it says in the book. It's not our fault they wrote typos. But why would you read the typos? I'm not going to call someone and say, did you mean to say that? <laughs> uh, yeah, the only reason I have that is because I have an Audible subscription that I don't ever have time to do. it. I never look at Audible to find things I actually want to hear. So every month they give me a free book. And I just use the free book. So I've got a bunch of books that I haven't listened to, and I never use it to search for books. And I should probably just cancel the whole program. But but now I'm getting all these sweet, behind-the-scenes Star Trek anecdotes about how everyone hated their lives and no one wanted to work there. Yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, do you know they tried to get James Earl Jones to be Picard? I didn't hear that. I heard about some other candidates. And also Billy D. Williams, they thought, maybe could be a good Picard. So they were really trying to capitalize on the Star Wars. Well, I mean, those two particularly, yeah. Yeah, and they're like, hey, maybe we can uh, steal Star Wars Thunder, take some of their dudes, make them Captain Picard. No, I hadn't heard that. I heard that uh, Gene Roddenberry absolutely refused to work with Patrick Stewart because he was bald. <laughs> Just decided that was a... <laughs> That was a deal breaker, and they kept having, like, Rick Berman and others had, like, six meetings with him where they were trying to convince him that Patrick Stewart was the guy, and every single time he'd go, is he bald? Then no. Maybe he was, he just felt burned by Shatner. (laughs) Was Shatner bald? Shatner was losing his hair. I thought he was like, this guy is so hard to work with, it's probably because of his receding hairline. (laughs) Well, according to uh, George Takei, every year his hair got thicker and darker and more lush. Yep. Um, so eventually, Gene Roddenberry was convinced to let him read in front of Paramount, but he had to go get a wig. <laughs> he had to go get a wig made. So Patrick Stewart went, apparently, to what he considered the best wig maker in London and had him make like a really classy tube. And he wore it into the room, and he did the reading. And on the way out, the I guess the Paramount officials told Gene and the gang, all right, you can go with the British guy, but lose the wig. Yep. And everyone around Gene Roddenberry was like, oh, thank fucking God. Yeah. I mean, it took him a while still to sort of figure out what to do with his hair with regard to the length of his um, monk collar <laughs> or whatever. He does kind of grow it out a little bit in season one, doesn't he? Yeah. It's looking a little shaggy. It would have been great if it if it grown had like an extra four or five inches. It would have been like, who's the insane person running the ship? <laughs> the more we do the project, the more I can't wait for the episode with the two Picards. Oh, I God. feel like we'll have so many awesome things to say about that one. That episode is, is bonkers for sure. <clears throat> Luckily, you don't have to wait that long. What, isn't that, how many episodes away is that? Isn't that season? Is that season two? Oh shit! Is it? Does Pulaski just Pulaski just watch him vaporize yeah. his I think a double? Pulaski's usually complicit in the murder of people. I think you're right. She has proven on other instances <laughs> to be really, really, really cool about watching uh, one of the officers on the ship just vaporize somebody. <laughs> uh. Anyway, I know it's not the Star Trek episode, but that's what I've been reading. It's fine. It's fine, son. There, there are plenty of good. 
By which I mean insane episodes left. Oh yes. In, uh, before Star Trek: The Next Generation settles down a little bit and gets and gets like what we consider to be good Star Trek. There's there's plenty of bonkers shit before that. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of stuff. I mean, we still have to get through where Silence has lease. Oh yeah. Um, Is that the one where Worf cannot handle it? Cannot handle the situations? Uh, Is that the one with Nagilum? That's Nagilum. That's the one where Worf cannot handle that situation. I mean, maybe. He definitely thinks 50% losses would be considered acceptable. <laughs> but I just mean, doesn't he go onto one bridge, and then he walks out, and he comes back on the bridge, and yes. he is not, no, he's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Did not sign up for it, don't like it, I'm a Klingon. And I'm it's not part into of it. his long tumultuous relationship with doors. <laughs> oh, good. Well, that's something else that we learned about Worf. That's good that that happened. We know yeah. about that too. Uh, yeah. Anyway, there's a conspiracy. Of course, is a real bonkers one that's coming up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. So many good ones. Stick with I it, everybody. Like, We're gonna have some great stuff to say about. I feel those. like, although it's a really bad episode, the neutral zone is coming up. It's not. I mean. Fully half of it is the worst. Yeah. But, you know, the other half, only part of it is the worst. So it's only like data 65 or 70% the worst. Yes, Data does meet a hillbilly. That's the premise of that episode. I know. I'm aware. I remember it. Anyway. Um, yeah, you're right. There's um, th- That episode will be fun. Yeah. So stick with it, everybody. T- times, timescape... Times Square, Times Cafe. I don't know which cafe. one that is. <laughs> That's what we thought it looked like on the on the box, on the VHS box. When we yeah, my handwriting wasn't good, and we packed a lot of episodes onto each one of those. Yeah, we get do we get seven or eight? I think we could cram eight on there because they were just about like forty-two minutes. Mm-hmm. You could jam yeah. in fucking. What is that, like five and a, five or six hours worth? I don't know how long those VHSs are. Yeah, you could six hours in the, in the in the mode that gave you the worst quality, but what did it matter? It was going to be Brad no matter what, I think. Yeah. Those VHS. Exactly. <clears throat> Dude, uh, Marjan wants to do a Labyrinth pod. Not like a pod series, a one-time thing. A, a one-off. Where maybe we... Um, um, and you are invited, but do not have to participate because it will probably mean watching Labyrinth. Now, is there gonna? It's it's gonna be a one-off, so it's one pod for the whole movie. One pod for the whole movie where we discuss a- any and everything that sh- that we want to talk about in the Labyrinth. So I assume I would probably tackle it like the Star Treks, where I watch it and I take lots of notes, and then I think you'd have to, and then we can get into it. But she thinks she wants to do that. And every time she starts talking to me about the labyrinth, I tell her to save the pod material. And that's oh, that's, that's how I'm getting by right now, not having to talk about that is, labyrinth. That is nice. <laughs> hey, don't, that's good pod material. You don't want to... Don't burn that. Yeah, because then I won't have the same reaction when we're live. It won't be spontaneous. The, the, three, the three listeners will know that this has been so, I mean, staged. I, I guess it's going to kind of be a how-did-this-get-made format, but which one of us is Jason Manzoukas? Oh, uh, yeah, who gets to say they're the Jason of the group? That's very important. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, my name starts with a J. <laughs> you might there. be the Jason of the group. <laughs> uh, so that's, I don't know, that's coming. This guy gets it. We would probably put it under under this pod, just because it's there's no point in creating a new pod. 
Yeah, no shit. It'd be a special <laughs> labyrinth edition, but that's something we're working on. Uh, anybody, let us know what dumbass ideas you have for a pod too. Send us those. Maybe a, yeah, we're out yeah, of ideas. I ain't got nothing to talk about. So luckily, we have a very long running project. Yes. So every other week, we us, have plenty to talk about. Keep us going for eighteen <laughs> more years. Turns out we can't talk about anything at any length except Star Trek. Uh, I mean, or or, or maybe like old R and B. It's possible we could talk about soul music too. I mean, we've got we've definitely got several more weeks of that ahead of us, but like, I can only talk about which parts of Soul Man I like better than which parts of uh, Hold On I'm Coming. So I, okay, so we were driving around the other day, and I heard a really white version of uh, "I Thank You" by Sam and Dave. And I was outraged at how white it was, and Marjan guessed correctly that it was ZZ Top based on how it sounded. And ZZ Top did the whitest ever version of a Sam and Dave song. It fucking reached number 34. What does that mean? It Their version went to number 34 in the singles chart. Good God, not even like rock or anything like that? Like like straight up the, pop, yeah. the top 40? Yeah, top 40. That's... Uh, it was their... Second top 40 hit after the song. A tush. That uh, makes me so unhappy. It makes me so unhappy I can't even tell you that they had chart success with that. Because it was like they took all of the soul out of the soul men. I always feel like that about white covers. Like, ah, fuck you, you (laughs) Yeah, heads! Yeah, like anything by Vanilla Fudge. Right? Sure. Anything by Vanilla Fudge is soulless garbage. Oh, son of a fucking whore. CZ Top is kind of a weird creation, right? I don't even know what they ever But what if they were doing it live from Daryl Hall's house? Everything's fine in that case. You can do whatever you want back in that case. Live from Daryl's house, anything is allowed. It's a safe space. Make this stop and play the Sam and Dave version. Because it's hurting. It's, It's hurting me. I was wrong. It's not a safe space. No, you said it was. I was space. wrong. I was wrong. I, want everybody I already like it better. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. This Wikipedia article 
was more informative. What does it have to say? As to who was playing. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, it mostly talks about ZZ Top. Uh, now I feel but, like I have to definitely mess with that page. Uh, it does mention that uh, Isaac Hayes wrote it. Oh, okay. I know what you wanted to hear. Well, it's one of them. It's one of them I wanted to hear. I love them because they're one of those acts that can't sing one line straight. Nope. Like, what? This is line one? No, I'm just going to give it all the flair that I got. <laughs> they're going to make you love them. <laughs> That's right. Oh, you've got to play that. And I'm, I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make you love me. And you're like, uh, oh boy, you're really, you're hitting it hard, Eddie Kendricks. Jesus. Uh, I am eventually gonna play that. It is true. Uh, yeah, there is something about that where they don't give you the first chorus straight. Yeah, most of the time, that's what you would. Please. Let's just, uh, let's just get into it. Mama, mama, baby. Now this was a record he just made in his basement. Just by himself in his basement. Imagine if you were cool enough to get invited down there to sing background. Imagine if you're that cool. I cannot imagine that. I, I can't either. I don't know what it looks like. I think it would be amazing to be friends with Stevie Wonder at this point in history, which was six, six, seven years before I was born, or at any point in history. Yeah. I'd do it now, even though he's got a real weird... Even though he's a total monster person. He's got... Bald with long dreads. It's it's crazy. It's a crazy look. Like if Ben Franklin had dreads. Like, exactly like if Ben Franklin had four-foot-long dreads. Yeah, because otherwise... This album was like skunk works. Like this was a secret. Nobody knew what was happening. Down there. No, he. This was. A, he presented this as a fait accompli, right? Yeah. Like, here's my album. Two albums: Talking Book and Music of My Mind. Walked into Barry Gordy's office, put down a 150-page contract he wrote himself, and said, uh, "Either you sign this contract as is, or these records go to CBS." And by the way, I've read his liner notes. That contract must be crazy. <laughs> he probably tried to read through it and make sense of it. And went, ah, fuck it. Yeah, uh, Stevie. Uh, when you say uh, love plus love minus hate, minus hate equals love energy. Is that legally binding? Because <laughs> uh, we are setting precedent here, I believe. In contractual terms, what do you mean by that? <laughs> mm. I, I will sign. Yes. Mm. Still, though, I would like to release this record. <laughs> yeah, all accounts of it are just like, he listened and knew he had no choice. And just went, yeah, okay. <laughs> you, oh, you got, you got me over a barrel here, Stevie. Because these are the greatest records of all time. He plays almost all of the instruments, just by himself, tooling around in his basement. Two great records worth. I mean, it's like, he plays the drums. Yep. Here's a thing I never thought before. How do you play the drums if you're blind? I don't know how he does any of the shit. He, um, he plays the drums, and he's not a great drummer. 
if you listen to those isolated tracks, the drumming is not that great, and it's very distinctive, like he has one trick. You can always yeah. know when Stevie Wonder is drumming. A lot of cymbal, and just a lot of... But well, he started, he started laying down these tracks when he had as much time behind a drum kit as I've had in my entire life. <laughs> right. Uh, he's definitely one of those people that would have been a genius at probably whatever they decided to devote their time to. I'm glad it was something creative, though. Yes. Although, uh, all right, it's a crazy thing to, to say that you wished he did something other than music. But like, I would love to read novels that he had written. Oh man. If you could just imagine... You must have some wacky ideas. If you could just imagine what Journey Through the Secret Life of Plants would have been like as a novel, you couldn't imagine it. No. If you read that, that novel would have been Pan, and then, like, three generations later, people will go, actually, that was that was pretty genius. No, the, I'm sorry, they're talking about the seminal album, the se- seminal novel, The Secret Life of Plants? <laughs> right. Yes, misunderstood know, in his time. Maybe it would have been so crazy that people... Like, felt like they had to engage with it, like uh, Finnegan's Wake. It's like so avant-garde, they're just like, uh, this, I know this is good. They're like, I don't know what any of it means, but I, I really get the feeling it means something. Which is exactly how I feel about the actual album Journey Through the Secret Life of Plants. I know, you've spent a lot of time with that. I don't I get have... it at all, I don't understand it, I can't say I like it, but I can't question its genius. <laughs> I bounced off of it pretty hard. <laughs> you went, no, this is impenetrable, I don't, I don't want any more. I just knew how much time it would take for me to get anything out of it, and how long I have left to live, and I was just like, nah, uh, those numbers don't add up. Things happen on that record that are so just baffling, not in the terrible 80s way that he's baffling, in the way that I still am not really able to label. He got burned out, and that's why we got to Part-Time Lover, right? Uh, yeah, don't for sure. When he just went, oh, I don't know, what are Hollow Notes doing? I'll do that. Let <laughs> me just, what, what, sounds almost exactly like Maneater? <laughs> I was so disappointed when I found out it was written after Maneater. It's just rough. It's very hard to take because the two are similar. I'm gonna do all the things for you a girl wants a man to do. Oh, baby. baby. Listen to this. I'll sacrifice. Not even do wrong for you. <laughs> Good to know. We're in line two. Every minute, every hour, I'm gonna shower you with love and affection. Look at us coming in your direction. And I'm, I'm gonna make you love me. Oh, yes, I will. Yes, I will. Good luck singing along with Eddie Kent. It's not going to make it easy. No. But very easy to sing along with her. She does not have um, the pipes. No, but um, she was like one of the first five people who figured out how to sing a little bit sexy. <laughs> yeah, she's like, just breathing. As much breath as I can put into it. And uh, that, that was enough in uh, 1968. And it didn't hurt that she was sleeping with Barry Gordon. Nope. And anyone at Motown will tell you she was probably the third or fourth best singer in the Supremes. 
I assumed when I heard every minute, every hour, I'm going to shower you with love and affection that we were listening to a Stevie, um, to a, Jesus, Smokey, Smokey Robinson song. Turns out it's not. Uh, who wrote this one? Kenneth Gamble and Jerry Ross. Oh, there. And with That's like the D team. Yeah. For every day we are part. A hunger for every wasted hour. By the way. For every day we are part, dude. By the way, original uh, Andre 3000. <laughs> for sure. And like, with each beat of our heart, for every day we are part, I'll hunger for every wasted hour. If you said that was literally the only influence to the album Love Below, <laughs> was that spoken word part right there, I'd say, yeah, no, that's that's right. I get it. He got a lot out of that. Yeah, you can really see, you can see the influence. Yeah. He got a lot out of He's just singing all over her. In the uh, Temptations singles chronology, I guess I should point out this is a Temptations Yeah, song. Temptations featuring the Supremes. Uh, or just featuring Diana Ross? With the Supremes. Okay. Although, again, this is 1968, so... Uh, I don't know, in the Supremes collection, how on good terms that whole band was. <laughs> yeah, not really. Yes. You know, in their chronology? <laughs> uh, in the Temptations singles chronology, Matthew... I'm gonna make you love me was uh, came after which which song? What was their preceding single? That's a good question. Um, hmm, I'm gonna say. Uh, get ready. Um, would you like a clue? Yes. Is this the clue? It came after this song. Yeah, it came after Cloud Nine. Wow, well, I guess you said it was '68. Okay. Yeah, and it came before Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh, so I guess they uh, took a swing at that one, huh? You know, I, that one sounded earlier because there's a lot of Eddie Kendrick and there's no um, David Ruffin, and now I know there's no David Ruffin because he had already been booted. Yes. They had the Contours guy, this guy. This is great, but can you please play Ball of Confusion? Well, that's what the world is today. I mean, if we're going to be in this era of the Temptations, we need to hear Ball of Confusion. Because there is some insane writing in that song. The lyrics are fucking crazy. The only Uh, safe place to live is on an Indian reservation, in case you were wondering. Uh, Incidentally, by the way, uh, I'm going to make you love me. What's the number two? Okay. Well, come on. Star Power alone. Good point. <laughs> They're like, we could be the Beatles. We can be, we can be all of the groups. People moving out, people moving in. Why? Because of the color of the skin. Run, 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 but you sure can't hide. Oh, that D voice guy was getting after it. Yeah. I 
I think they knew that lots of uh, movies would play Vietnam montages. Okay. There would be a lot of opportunity in that space. <laughs> like, it can't all be fortunate some. It can't all be white room. There's got to be some some space for us. It is true. Like, it just can't be all gimme shelter. That's right. I mean, it could for me. Yes, that would that would be okay. Yeah. You know what's great about uh, Gimme Shelter is how little of the Rolling Stones it features. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A lot of backup singers uh, and a lot of mood, which they and don't really do. And I don't think any, I don't think either of the guitar players even tries to play a chord, which is good because that's not their strength. <laughs> Hit it, guys! I'm always disappointed when a Wikipedia article doesn't tell the story of the song. Yeah, why was this written? The Beatles knew records of gas. I want to hear more about this. You can't just say the only safe place to live is on an Indian reservation without telling me why you think that. What makes that safe? <laughs> Uh, so, like, hey, fuck you, Billy Joel. Right. We <laughs> <laughs> didn't start the fire. It's just this song, but it's... Much worse. <laughs> but it's like... It's like not... It's not as good. Never been a favorite of mine. <laughs> not, not into the whole uh, uh, musical movement. Oh boy, treat her like a lady. Uh. The the later temptations. I have an obsession with the later last acts. In some cases, this is of a, groups like this. This is a hell of a last like, act, dude. There's this. Of course, there is sexual healing. Oh, well, that is really probably the greatest last act. And, um... <clears throat> who doesn't love Love Machine? That's right. Yeah. Oh, man. They should not have existed into the 80s. Hey, dude, light her cigarette if she smokes. I wonder how many people in the group were very old at this point. How many were new Temptations and how many were old? Uh, that's a good question. Because I don't like the idea of like 50-year-old dudes singing this song. Makes me sad for them. So this is from 84. Mm-hmm. Picking up... Man, the... They don't even say who was in the Temptations in this song. <laughs> Picking up your hanky off the floor. 
I'm sorry. We talked right over lighter cigarette if she smokes. <laughs> Even help her with her coat. Also, <laughs> had a very sad day in the studio. Uh, boy. Um, the guy who uh, the guy who's singing this, uh, Ali Ollie Woodson. That oh, can't be right. I think Ollie's Ollie's a real guy. Uh, co-wrote this song with Otis Williams. Okay. All right. So it's a uh, so Temptations joint. That's uh, but, interesting uh, to imagine the old Temptations trying to sing this '80s R&B song. Yeah. Again, makes me sad. For yeah, no, it's sad. It's sad for sure. But I mean, not as sad as Loco and Acapulco, which we already covered last time. Yeah, that's pretty sad. That would be the saddest act. about Stevie Wonder is even if you pick a shitty late song like he's still making music oh yeah who knows what his actual last act will be I thought it was when wow. I thought it was just I actually don't have any of his later work on my uh, in my collection I guess at some point I was like nah I'll just go right up to uh, songs in the key of life and stop it's probably a good idea although you know I would add Journey Through the Secret Life of Plants, but um, <laughs> you know, Hotter Than July is bad. It's a bad record. But, you know, it's got a couple things on it that are interesting. Oh, I know you... Ooh, hap- I know you love Happy, happy birthday. birthday. Well, a lot of people do give him credit for MLK Day. Takes a while to get going, huh? Yeah. This could have been the best song on the uh, Final Lap Twin soundtrack. How dare you. Because I feel like there's not enough music. <laughs> it is fairly empty. It's mostly just the Casio. Is Rocket Love at least on this album? that on in squared circle oh yeah it's the only reason this is bearable it has a little bit of stevie wonder weirdness left in it but otherwise it is very 80s that's a lot like the turbo graphics 16 video game king of casino <laughs> you got you you in the turbo graphics i don't know why <laughs> maybe i they, played that game a maybe lot they use the same synthesizers Oh, I'm sorry. Plus, he uh, stole a little bit of the James Bond theme there. <laughs> has he ever, has he ever been contracted to do a James Bond song? Ooh, that's a hot question. Because obviously, I mean, the, get the most famous one, the Paul McCartney one, "Live and Let Die," and then we've already talked about Chris Cornell's joint. 
Later on in the song, it's got a lot going on, a lot of high strings, and uh, it gets super dramatic. I'm just going to have to fucking... This article about James Bond music is a million paragraphs long. I'm just going to search for Stevie Wonder. His name does not appear in it. Well, that's too bad. Because he would have done some weirdness on it. Oh, for sure. But... His era. Uh, yeah, it would have been, uh, what's his name? Uh, the one that was in, like, most of them. What the fuck was the guy's name? So, like, you figure this is 74, so the, that's the man with the golden gun. Right, so we're talking, it's Roger Moore. Right, Roger Moore, that's what My brain's not working. Did he go all the way through to Moonraker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely would have been the 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 Roger Moore era. Not my favorite era. Roger Moore was just so many martinis and ladies, and so little spy work. Well, James Bond is not a good spy. But I got the sense he's just extremely English. In the. Uh, in the Sean Connery era, I felt like he was slightly more interested in achieving some of the spy goals. I guess that's true. Even though he wasn't necessarily good at it. He wasn't just trying to fuck a lady in a space capsule? <laughs> that's exactly correct. Uh, boy, do you, want, do you want to go back to music on my mind? Of course that I do, yes. Yeah, I do. Oh, it's about to get dramatic here, though. It's also a little James Bond right here. <laughs> very, very much is. Well, it was the 80s, and he was only biting at this point, so... If he's biting James Bond, I guess that's fine. I guess this could have gotten into... A view to a kill, maybe? Oh, God, Roger Moore again? Roger Moore returns? Oh, yeah. Dude, he was like 56 or something crazy, and he, the chicks in the movie he was banging were hella young. Yeah, fresh hot 18 year olds. I know all about it. <laughs> exactly. They made sure to point out they had just turned 18. <laughs> they apparently, his hair was really thinning, and they kept having to, like, put in this crap to make it look like it was thicker in every scene. He kept having to have, like, hair treatments done on set. Oh, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. This one's a little more sonically dense. I probably have to turn it down again. Plus, it's three songs. There's a lot going on here. Mary wants to be a superwoman, but is that really in What I love about this album is, but I just what is there nine tracks on it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the average length is uh, pretty intense. Yeah, it's nine songs, forty-eight minutes. Yeah. So More than five per. It's over five minutes on average. I've used this as a commute album. Like when I was going up to Palo Alto. Yeah. It's about it's about 50 minutes if, sometimes. If it's the right length, this is a good drive. But don't fall asleep to it. Your dreams will be weird. Oh yeah, cannot recommend that. Why do you know so much about the James Bond movies? Um, 
Oh, I've seen a lot of them. I don't know. You mean like... I feel like I've only seen about five of them. <sighs> yeah, I guess... So I haven't necessarily seen all of them all the way through. Some of them are very hard to watch. I've, I have seen... Doctor No... You've <laughs> got to go many movies before the next one. I just had to say wow. Uh, which one's the one with Denise Richards? <laughs> Tomorrow Never Dies? Yeah, one of the Pierce Brosnan ones. Or The, the World Is Not Enough? The, title, the titles all kind of bleed together. Might be The World Is Not Enough. Uh, it, that one has like Sophie Marceau as the other chick. That's right. Okay, but have you seen the one? <laughs> yeah, the world is not enough. I've seen. <laughs> have you seen a Casino Royale and Skyfall? So I think I've actually only seen four of the goddamn things. This is something I've wanted to talk about on the podcast for a long time, but I haven't been able to come up with a good way to intro it. You might want to bring the volume down a little bit. Well, we accidentally got there. So, <coughs> one of the Pierce Brosnan movies is one about North Korea. And, uh, which one is that? It's the one with Halle Berry and, um, fucking, I don't know who else is in it, but... Die Another Day? Maybe it's Die Another Day. That has Halle Berry. Um, yeah. Infiltrates a North Korean military base where Colonel Tan Sun Moon is illegally... Okay, okay well, don't get too don't go too far ahead of the spoilers, because there's okay. some intense weirdness in this movie. So, one of the villains in the movie is a super, like, uh, douchey English dude who's a fencer. It's like a, and you're like, oh, yeah, this is like the perfect kind of Bond villain. Of, a real doucher who, of course, is like high society fencing master guy. And he's mm-hmm. played by Toby Stevens, who I, I watched a lot recently in Black Sails. Oh, okay. And Marjan and I got into this one time because we were. She is usually trying to find out if maybe the pirates would be hot if they weren't dirty pirates. That's, a, that's an interesting concept. So she was looking up pictures of Toby <laughs> Stevens to see what what else he's been in and what he looked like, and one of them showed him in his dumb fencing outfit, looking like a, a super douche in this James Bond movie. And I, I looked at her and I, oh yeah, no, that guy's North Korean. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> She's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, Toby Stevens, this white guy? This English guy? This super English fencing guy? Actually, he's a North Korean agent. The- Toby Stevens as Gustav Graves, a British entrepreneur. Alter ego of Colonel Moon. I can't even describe how in the movie, how out of left field this twist is. <laughs> Five minutes from the end of the movie, this guy reveals that he has been surgically altered to look like a white dude. And he's really the son of this North Korean general, who's another bad guy in the movie. And it's a completely unnecessary motivation for these bad guys. It's just tacked on right at the end, and you go, Wait a minute, that white guy? That white guy's North Korean? What happened? <laughs> I had to rewind the movie, because I was like, surely they've <laughs> talked about this before. They didn't just mention this right now before the credits rolled, that, the, that he is a North Korean. No, that's the first time they talk about it. There's no reason for it to happen. It's one of the weirdest twists I've ever seen in a movie. So I always just refer to it as that time Toby Stevens turned out to be a North Korean. Because it's baffling. <laughs> That's bonkers. It's the weirdest last act. <laughs> so you haven't seen that one then? 
I have not. Okay, you can skip it. Now I kind of want to, but like... It's, it's really, it's an atrocious film. So the one I feel the worst about not having seen is Goldeneye. You haven't seen Goldeneye? I haven't seen Goldeneye. What are you talking about? So here's, here's what I know about Goldeneye. There's a dam. Do you remember the dam? And a train. Do you remember the runway? And a runway and a silo. Do you remember? And a bunker. Severnaya? The, the snowy the snowy area? Yeah, but what's that level called? Uh, I don't think it's called Severnaya. Dish or something like that? Dish, yes. I can't believe you haven't seen that. Because uh, I played many hours of Goldeneye and recently went down a weird rabbit hole where this guy who's part of the Goldeneye speedrunning community I love it, is like doing these hour-long lectures about the history of speedrunning all these levels. <laughs> and he's like, but then he, but the record would stay at 56 seconds for almost two years. Before somebody figured out you could click And then they'll show the video. Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, and um, I have watched literally hours of this. Well, not only that, you played many hours of Goldeneye. So oh yeah, that's why. Like, speedrunning, it turns out, is really only interesting to me when I know the game fairly well. Right. But I'm saying you're kind of like a Goldeneye, the video game scholar at this point. But I mean, how is it possible you have not seen the film starring um, uh, Sean Bean? Oh, he is in as there. As the bad guy, tra- 006, Travelin Travelin, or whatever? Yep. The guy who in the beginning of the movie, spoiler alert, he gets killed. And you're supposed to be really sad because he's 006. But turns out he's the big bad guy. Anyway. He, uh, he gets killed in that silo. It's got uh, Kamala, the perfect mate, slash Dr. Jean Grey. That lady. Famke, Famke Jansen? The bad, the bad guy lady who tries to sex him to death many times. In an extremely Very nice. James Bond fashion. She really. She will always be Kamala to me. <laughs> That's right. But we'll get to that one in a thousand years. In a thousand years. years we'll get to I Am For You Oracle. Um, that episode is problematic. It's, it's, that's that's our teaser for that. <laughs> Come back in ten years and find out what that means. Uh, so she, yeah, she tries to sex, just fuck him till he's dead. Um, it's got it's got Tom Arnold. I'm sorry, Tom Arnold. Is that the guy I'm thinking of? The guy from Tom Roseanne? Arnold, Roseanne's husband. Yeah. Yes. Or John Goodman. No, Roseanne not John Goodman. Tom husband. Arnold, the real life husband. Okay. He's in it. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else is in this garbage film. It's really not a uh, by, good movie. By the way, this is the end of the same song. That's right. It's just been going and going. We've been talking over it for a long time now. It's got Cracker in it. What's Cracker's name? Oh, uh... Hagrid? Robbie Coltrane? He's in it. Uh, as a Crack? Russian guy, play, putting on a pretty bad Russian right. accent. So it's got all kinds of good stuff in it. And I cannot believe you haven't seen this film. Not only have I not seen it, but I have not cobbled together from playing that game for hundreds of hours what the plot might be. <laughs> well, I guess after a while you stop playing them in order. You just, you yeah, just play you whichever one don't, you want. Right? But like, even if you play them in order, it just like you just get a dossier that says where you are. You're on a yacht. And then you go in there and you, you do a mission, but it's like, I don't know. Did James Bond do that stuff? In the... Yes, right. Not clear. Is he, is he doing a lot of copying of keys and, like, getting key cards off of scientists no, and stuff? No, you know he doesn't do spy work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. It's... And, by the way, he probably doesn't shoot as many people as I do. Oh, hell no. No, 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 no. This is James Bond. I feel like the James Bond he movies... He ain't so much killing people. I feel like the James Bond movies are more like the um, uh, Metal Gear Solid video games. <laughs> where you're, the idea is not sne- to get discovered. 
you sneak around, and if an ex- exclamation point pops up over a guard's head, you have a total panic. <laughs> Yo, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I cannot play those games. No. Which is a shame, because they get super bonkers. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, those are some real good Let's Plays. Like, those games are insane. I've never really gotten that into them for the same reason. I don't, I don't, I don't find it entertainment to, like, be hella stressed out sneaking around. Yep. Uh, I don't, listen, there were plenty of times when you would be playing GoldenEye at night, or I would be playing GoldenEye at night, like, sound down because it's nighttime, and just, just gets, just spooked, just jump scared. Well, at least if there was someone else in the room, at least you got moral support, because playing GoldenEye, the Baron Samity level, in the middle of the night, oh, why yeah. would you, don't that do doesn't... that. That ain't, in, that ain't in the movie, Goldeneye, right? No, that's He's from, from one of those voodoo you'll, ones. Uh, Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die? Yeah, yeah. That's the one with, uh, what's her name? Jane Seymour as uh, Solitaire. The fortune-telling virgin who, once she gets fucked by James Bond, loses all her powers. What? She is a fortune-telling virgin. James Bond porks her, and she loses her ability to read fortunes. Man, no... None of that happens in the novella that's based that on. That is one of those movies, for sure, where all myths and all magic is real. Yeah, it's weird that there's magic in James Bond. That shouldn't be Because right. Baron Samity is for sure some kind of devil in that movie. Well, he's no fun in that game. No! You gotta get the golden gun and then headshot him or he doesn't die. Yeah, and he fucking that laugh he gives. Ugh. And he, like, morphs around the level. It's no good. I did not like that level. No and again, not in the GoldenEye game, but movie. So ridiculous that it's in the game. Man, am I just going to have to start watching these? Yeah, I mean, as long as you keep your expectations as low as you possibly can. Well, I've read the books. Okay, good. So, like, it's good I don't really expect them to be great. Because I don't think there's a good James Bond movie. If there is one, it is the reboot of Casino Royale. I did not hate that. That's, that's the one Chris Cornell did, yeah, of course. That's the only one that might be a good James Bond movie. I saw Skyfall, and I would... Did I see it with you? No, but we saw it around the same time, and I, okay. we exchanged our comments on it. Yeah. It was like... Um, <clears throat> they spent the first two movies of the reboot being like, it's a new, different James Bond. It's dark, because it's the aughts. Like, you better watch out. It's, it's, you're not like your father's James Bond. And then Skyfall was just a nostalgia trip. Yeah. Everything about it was like, hey, remember James Bond? Like, he gets into the old car and starts driving away, and the old music starts playing, and he goes to his his fucking, what, his orphanage or whatever he grew up? What the fuck was that? Yeah, where it reveals that, um, that, uh, M, is that, yeah, is that her yeah, name? Yeah, yeah, She might be, like, she's, like, sort of child trafficking. Yeah. Like, he's maybe not the first orphan that she's recruited to be a secret agent. And, but the whole thing was like a weird, like, hey, do you remember James Bond? And it's like, I thought that was the whole point of doing the reboot, was that you weren't going to do that. Yep. They just... And, uh, I didn't even... I didn't see the other two uh, of, of his. Um, Dude, listen to what we're listening to now. Yeah, I'm going to have to stop it before it gets to the end, <laughs> obviously. Um... He's just making statements, uh, to, in, dude. You... To, to my mind, one of the better James Bond movies that everyone should watch, and nobody did, is uh, uh, Johnny English. Okay. <laughs> right. 
And the second Johnny English movie also was not bad. Is, uh, who's in Johnny English? Rowan Atkinson. Oh, that's right. Mr. Bean. Yes. As, yes, most people know him as Mr. Bean. We know him as um, Blackadder. Yes. Blackadder, comma, various. Yes. My favorite, I think, is number two. I, I started to watch them again a couple years ago, and I didn't get through the first series. The first series is tough. So I don't really remember anymore, but... Sometime after the first series. The first series is a lot of uh, too much music and Brian Blessed yelling, and he's a little too snivelly. It's it's weirdly melodramatic. It's yes. the most melodramatic farcical comedy that you'll see, I think. I mean... You gotta give him credit for taking a swing. Like, At all of the eras of English history? <laughs> what if we invented a king before Henry Tudor, but after Richard III? Right. And, like, that's what this is about. But it's a comedy. But it's a, but it's a comedy set at the court of a fictional king at the end of the War of the Roses. Yeah. <clears throat> so I can't recommend any of the James Bond. It's my it's a short story there. Yeah. Not We're only on song four. This is the fourth song. <laughs> and I played one, and then we went off on a tangent. I know. So, it's only the third song since we've come back to it. Oh, boy. Now, okay. Now you're Barry Gordy. <laughs> you say you you for some uh, reason you felt like you need to listen this far in. Obviously you don't, but say you listen this far. Uh, uh, Steve, what what is happening now? What is ha- in this portion of the record? Because sometimes what I like to do is is I I go on I go on an imagination road trip. And, uh, and I and I appreciate that. I'm ta- I'm ta- I want to take you on a journey. I'm I'm a creative man. This is. This is the studio. This is the studio responsible for the song "My Girl." Bye bye. Do you do you, you ever? Are you from? You are familiar with the song "My Girl." Have you ever been? Have you ever been in love? Uh, I think I think it is clear to everyone that I have not. I don't. I don't think I'm not not with a woman. Have you ever been in love with with the spirit of the earth? Uh, uh, Steve, uh, let me stop you again there. Do you, it's Steveland, do you Steveland, remember? Steveland, Steveland. <laughs> My name is Steveland Judkins. I, I, I did say Steveland. I just I don't like to hit the D because it's such a non-name. <laughs> it's very upsetting. My name is Barry. That's a very normal name. Steveland, uh, Steveland. Do you remember the song? Uh, do you remember the song "Reach Out, I'll Be There"? Yeah, yeah, I remember it. Stephen, that's the kind of sound that we like here at Motown, and to a lesser extent at Tamla. Imagine if you took that song, and you but you re, but you rearranged its soul. You rearrange its soul, and it, you form it's a new entity. It's an entity unlike anything that we've experienced in, in the history uh, of either of our lives. Well, I guess I gotta sign the contract. I, I don't know what else I can do. <laughs> I feel like we're talking in circles. I, I don't feel like we're gonna reach an agreement of any kind. And then so, he wrote on the contract, you chase yourself around in logical errors, B+. Plus. B+. Plus. And that's, that's the story. 
Oh my god. Mm. Can't be in a bad mood. This is, this is the song that follows that last song. <laughs> Can't be in a bad mood when you're listening to Happier Than the Morning Sun. I'm happier than the morning sun. And that's the way you say that it would be. If I should ever bring you inside my life. That would be a creepy thing to tell somebody. Uh, next week is a Star Trek week. Yes. Uh, what are we watching? We are watching Balance of Terror. Should be good. It's got, it's got Romulans in it. Uh, we are watching one one zero zero one zero zero one. That is a fascinating episode. It's something. I may have broken the record for most things typed about a thing. Yeah, you've already seen this one. Uh, this will be the one I watched last in this cycle because it, uh, Angel One got my high score last week. Ah, that's right. Um, uh, for DS Nine, we're watching Progress. Right. So now I know what that is. Now that I have seen it, it's, a, it's an episode about something. Uh, we're watching uh, Jatrell for Voyager. I know what that is too. It's the best name they could come up with. For They're that really episode, bad at naming. I think we had this recently with Voyager with Cafexis. Really? Yeah. That was the best. You decided to name the whole episode that. Okay. Like they don't want to give away their very obvious plot to anyway. It doesn't matter. Um. And Shadows of Pajem, so I haven't seen that one yet, but I expect continuity. Yeah, that could be good. <laughs> so play along, everybody. Next week is Star Trek. Uh, following the format, you can uh, tweet at us, at BrotherDate. You can find us on the iTunes or at the website, BrotherDate.com. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be back. Bye-bye. Bye. Anything by Vanilla Fudge is soulless garbage. Oh, son of a fucking whore.